Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We talked about the spirit, the mind, the body, but today I want to talk to you about vision. You know that God has a great vision for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. God's got a great vision for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God's got a great vision for you. Turn to yourself and say, God's got a great vision for you. God's got a great vision, greater for you than you have for yourself. And I think sometimes the problem in church is that we think vision is reserved for the important people. Vision is for CEOs. Vision is for pastors. Vision is for Elon Musk. But I want you to know, God has a great vision for you. He wants to reveal it to you and release it through you. And this will require faith and fortitude from you. But make no mistake, God has a big vision for you. One of my favorite sermons, ones that impacted my life more than any, was by Dr. Miles Monroe. And he said this. He said, uh, he said, don't die old, die empty. Go to the grave with nothing left. No dreams, no vision, empty it all and leave it on planet Earth. I pray that we do not make our graves wealthy, that we do not make, that we do not make the cemetery wealthy, but that we do all we can while we're on planet Earth to fulfill the great vision that God has for our lives. May that be true of us as individuals and may it be true of our church. Amen. We have a vision to bring awakening. And last week I spoke about the process of vision, that God, he gives you a vision, but then he brings you through the steps to bring that vision from the supernatural into the natural, from the spirit into reality. And so when God gives a vision to Habakkuk or when he gives a vision to you, he brings instructions with it. And so he says to Habakkuk, first and foremost, I will give you the vision, but write it down. Sounds simple, but so many times we think, oh, I'll remember that. Have you ever had a dream? And you think, I'll remember that dream. That was wild. Then you try to tell someone afterwards, it was like, it had something to do with a forest and my, my great aunt was there. The reality is we have a difficult time remembering even great things that God has spoken to us. So God says, I'm going to give you something, but it matters. So write it down, write it down, put it in your notebook, put it in a notes app, go through it. And when you write it down, now it's physical. You can revisit it because that's the truth of vision is that it, vision is valuable and it takes a long time to come into fruition. So God says, write it down. And by the way, make it plain. In other words, maybe now's not the time to use Shakespearean King James language where you look back and you say, what was I, what was I thinking? Have you ever, have you ever taken notes and then you go back to them and be like, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> Sometimes I look at old sermons and I'm like, what was I saying? I'm sure it was good, but what was I saying? God says, write it down, make it plain. Make it plain so that this is something that you can work through. And then he goes, and then so that he who, or, or, or she that reads it may run with it. In other words, that the vision should be your motivation. As Christians, we choose that money is not our motivation. Recognition or success or all the good things, that is not what causes us to run the race that God has set out before us. But it is the vision and the destination and accomplishing all that God has put in us. That's what motivates us forward. When God gives you a vision, you can't sit down. You can't slow down. You can't be passive. When God gives you a vision, that's what gets you up in the morning. 
That's what will keep your life on the straight and narrow. This is what God will use as motivation because difficulty will come, but there's a purpose that is greater than the temporary difficulty. That's the vision of God, and it will bring you forward. And, and we spoke about how Jesus, when he was going to heal a man's sight and refresh his vision, give him brand new vision, we see that Jesus goes through this beautiful process with this man in Mark chapter 8, and he does this with us as well, where Jesus takes the man by the hand and he leads him. All vision is God-led. And he leads him where? Out of his familiar, out of the town and the city where everyone knew him and he knew everyone. And though he was blind as an adult, he would have been comfortable with his surroundings. God wants to give you fresh vision. The first thing he does is bring you through transition. This is true. And if you feel like you're in a transition season of your life, can I just give you a spoiler alert of what God wants to bring next? It's fresh vision. And so God moves him out of his, his surroundings into the unfamiliar. Now we're in a place where you have to wholly rely on God. I've never stepped out of the boat like this. I've never been outside of my city, my town like this. And Jesus, he, he, he cleanses his eyes and he puts his hand on his eyes and he prays over this man's eyes. Then Jesus asks him and asks us this important question, do you see anything? And this is a question that the Spirit of God asks, asks his people to move them forward in faith. And, and that's the question I ask you today. Do you see anything? Do you see anything for your future? Do you see anything for the legacy of your children? I spoke about how last week, how my wife is writing down the characteristics that she wants to see in our, our boys as they become young men. Do you see anything for the future, for your legacy, for your surroundings? And, and this is what Jesus asks through this process. And the man replies, he says, I, I see men, but they look like trees. In other words, the vision is still blurry. I'm not blind, but things are blurry, but that's the process of vision. The truth is, if we were going to put on a vision like we turn on a TV and it's all of a sudden there in front of us, full, fully formed 4K vision, it would freak us out. The vision would overwhelm us. It would be too much for us. If God was to say, here's what your whole life's going to look like, we would say, God, I'm incapable of this. So what God does is he says, well, then let my word be a lamp into your feet. Let's take the next few steps. If it's blurry, that's not because... Uh, it's not because of a negative. It's because God is going to give you the right thing at the right time so that you can maintain your faith. Like I think of it like a, a giant puzzle. God dumps all the puzzle pieces and he says, okay, we're going to take this piece by piece, step by step. And, 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 and so the Lord prayed for the man again, and then the man's sight became whole and he was able to have fresh vision. And I say this to say, even in that process, even when it's blurry, keep going back to God. Keep coming back to Jesus. Lord, continue to clarify my vision. And he will. And he will. This is, this is what we spoke about last week. And I pray that God brings you through this process as he dispenses fresh vision into your life. Because you need it. Helen Keller said, said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. You need vision in your life in order for there to be a, uh, a, a, a forward-moving momentum to your life, and vision is available to all. I want to read, key in just on one aspect of the word of God to Habakkuk, 
verse two, God says, for still the vision, I'm going to give it, write it down, but for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. But if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. If he says it, he will see it through. But if it seems slow, wait for it. Wait on God, for it will surely come. It will not delay. I'm here to tell you today that delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. What God has for you, if you remain faithful, he will bring it into fruition. But God's way is not man's way. In fact, let me show you how God works. This is a, a great story out of the book of Acts where Paul is about to receive a vision for his next direction. But if we look at it in context, we see in the beginning of Acts 16, verse 6, it says, and they, being Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy, they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, which is the region of the Trojan Wars. And a vision, somebody say vision. vision. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, and he was urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them, to them. God's restrictions are not rejection, but redirection. Look how many places Paul wasn't allowed to go. And you say, well, it's a good thing to preach the gospel. Absolutely. It's a good thing. But God has a specific vision for a specific time. If we read in the book of Peter, we find out that Peter did end up going into Asia and he preached the gospel there. God had a plan, but he's saying for you, Paul, on this missionary journey, at this time, there's a man that needs help. There's a place that has been overlooked by the gospel. Macedonia was the seat of Alexander the Great, and yet here they are in desperate need of freedom and liberty that comes from the word of God. So God gives him a vision after a series of restrictions. God's restrictions are not rejection, but redirection. And God will give you the vision, but when he does, let me say it this way, if he lets you see it, you must see it through. If he gives you a glimpse, you've got to see it through till the end. And I do believe God will give you a vision. We just pray with me right now. Lord, right now, we are ready to receive and hear from you on this subject of vision. God, may it become a reality in our life and bring us through your process, God, so that we could become so much more than we would be on our own. In the name of Jesus, everyone says, amen. Paul's on his second missionary journey, and, and God wants to bring him into Macedonia. The problem is Paul wants to go to the places where he'd already been, the churches he has already established. This is after, by the way, that Paul and Barnabas split. There was conflict between the two, and they chose each to go in a different direction. What's amazing about this moment is God knew where Paul 
was going to go, where God was going to bring him. And so God, through this cutting off and through this splitting, brought Paul to a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy was half Jewish and he was half Greek. Isn't that amazing that he could be accepted and he become powerful in both cultures. He takes Timothy on and thinks, well, I'm going to go to Asia. But God says, no, I'm going to bring you to Macedonia, which is Greece. In other words, God had been setting this thing up saying, where I'm going to take you, you're going to need this young man to gain access to places you couldn't get on your own. God knows more about his final destination for you than you do. And sometimes God has to restrict you from going your way because he has a better way. And God's way, God's plan was to bring him into the place of Macedonia. So he redirected him time and time again. And that is what vision does. Vision constrains you. Vision constrains you. Now, I know this isn't maybe something that we would all applaud at first. When we talk vision, we're talking hope, we're talking direction. But can I tell you the first thing vision does? First thing it does is it constrains you. If they attempted to go, but the Holy Spirit said no. God's go usually starts with a no. <laughs> Remember the disciples? God says, go into all the world, but don't leave till Jerusalem till I give you the sign. God's go, the Great Commission, started with a no. Don't go anywhere until I've made it clear. And, and this maybe isn't a popular side of vision, but if you could embrace it, it opens up the right door at the right time, and the constraints will be used by God to compel you in the right direction. Paul attempted to go to three different places, and finally in Bithynia, I love how declarative he gets. He said, the spirit of Jesus did not allow me to go there. Vision says no much more than it says yes. People of vision, people that value vision, say no more than they say yes. If you were to have a vision of being married, you know who maybe the person is, or you see it in your mind, and you see them coming down the aisle towards you, and, and you've got a vision for marriage, to, make, to bring that vision into fruition, there will be one yes, and there will be 3.9 billion no's. There will be one I do, and many, many, many I do not. But if you want to see the vision come into fruition, the yes is important, but so is the no. If you have a vision of eating healthy, where you see your mind being clear and, and your body coming into alignment and, and maybe even out of the fast, you say, I'm, I, I got some momentum, I'm going to keep this thing here. And you have a vision for eating healthy in your life. If that's something that you would value, you're going to have to say no to more things than yes. I got one meal and I got lots of desserts I will not have. <laughs> one yes, many no's. There's whole aisles in Target, and there's whole aisles in Stop and Shop that I cannot walk down. Because it's an aisle of no. <laughs> One yes, many no's. I mean, think about your time. If you have a vision of where you're headed, you're not going to be able to say yes to every invitation. You can't go to every barbecue. You can't go to every single wedding. You can't go. You can't accept every single job. You can't say yes to everything if you want to say yes to specific things. And, and, and if you are not careful, 
and you don't have that power of no uh, in your life, you'll end up saying yes to everything in your calendar. Your calendar will end up owning you. And you, you, in other words, you, you'll live a reactive life. You'll have a reactive schedule where everything you're doing, you kind of have to do, but it's not bringing you closer to what God is trying to do in you and with you. So you have to learn the power of no. You know, even many times I'll talk to people and I hear this phrase a lot. They'll say, I'm just overwhelmed with noise. There's just so much noise in my life. Can I tell you one of the things that will walk you out of that noise? One of the things that will bring peace to your mind and your heart and your atmosphere is your ability to say no. You might have to say no to the television. You might have to say no to your phone. Four amens. Okay. You might not have to, you might have to say no to your kids. No. <laughs> but if you want there to be peace, it doesn't come by saying yes to anything and everything at all times. God will use the constraints of his, of his uh, plan for your life to propel you into his destination for your life. Because the reality is that sometimes many good things can get in the way of the God thing. Sometimes many good ideas can get in the way of God's plan. Many dreams in the way of God's dream for your life. And so you must submit your plans, your ideas, your schedule, your yeses to God. Submit it even to his restrictions and allow him to move you might I say, redirect you towards his ultimate destination for you. This is what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 16. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You can have your destination and your ideas, but make no mistake, God has a path for you. And if you will allow him, by the way, it's a better path and he will determine your steps. James, which is the book of wisdom in the New Testament, doubles down on this concept. And James says this, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and we'll make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will even bring. You're making plans for a year out. You don't know what's going on a day out. He, and he goes on and says, what is your life? For you, that's <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> what even is your life? You don't know what you're doing. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time then vanishes. Instead, this is how you ought to speak. This is how you, what you ought to say. If the Lord wills then we will live and we will do this or we will do that. James is even saying, watch out even how you talk. You know, when I was younger, I used to hear people say, we're going to do this and that God willing. And I always thought like, like, what do you mean God will? Like God's, God's, God's good. Like he's good. God wants to know what you're interested in. And I think that's, a, that's true to a, a degree. But the older I get, the more wisdom I see in that statement. That your best laid plans and even the things that you feel like you thought God spoke to your heart, God might restrict or redirect for a season, a time, maybe even a lifetime. And are you willing to submit to the greater vision that God has for your life? This is a better way. When I read what James says, it releases me to, to follow God. I'm not quite sure where I'm going, but I know God is a good guide and God will guide me to the place that he has for me.
Vision constrains you. And you know what constraints do? Constraints clarify vision. So vision brings constraints, but then constraints clarify true vision. I mean, think of it this way. Some of the best albums you've ever heard are, the, are a band's first album. And it's when they had no money, and it's when they had no budget, and they had no manager, and no one cared about them. And they were like in some little hut in the 70s. And they produced this incredible album. And you think, oh, how could that be? You didn't have the best equipment. You didn't have anybody represent. You, you had all these constraints. But the constraints was a creative force. And the constraints clarified the vision. And then after they get success, here comes the money and the fame and the managers and the people. And they work on the next album for two and a half years. And when it finally comes out, it's mediocre. And you think, what happened? You're the same people. I'm, I'm here to tell you, money cannot give vision. Recognition cannot give vision. Even time cannot clarify the vision. But if you will allow God to constrain you, it will begin to clarify what matters. It will clarify what's important, and it will compel you towards vision. Imagine with me that God is a film director. And at the end of the day, God sits in his editing chair in his editing bay, and he has your life. He has the dailies brought in, and he has your life projected on the screen as he's editing his grand narrative, as he's putting together his masterpiece. This is his production, and you and I, we play a role in his production. But every day, God brings in the dailies of your life, and he says, let's see what they are up to today. And he projects it in, in this moment, he begins the editing process. If God is a director, he's involved in the editing process. And what he'll do is he'll say, we need to cut that scene. Let's not put him in that scenario again right now. They didn't react very well to it. Some things God will cut from your life, if you'll allow him to be the editor, is he'll cut some bad actors from your life. He'll look at it and say, I, this is making the whole production way worse. Let's recast the role of best friend. And you think, I love this guy. God said, I know. He's a bad actor, though. If you'll allow God, he will tweak the production. He'll say, look, there, all that stuff going on there, it's just filler. Let's develop their character instead. Let's have some character development come into it. Put them in some situations. Answer some prayers. Lord, give me patience. All right. Put them in that situation then. And let's develop their character. If you will allow God to edit your life, he will produce a better vision, better, a better presentation. He'll produce a, a better production than you would if you were making all the decisions. Allow God to curate your life. Allow God to curate your time, your thoughts, your mind. Allow God to cultivate the deeper things in your life. Because if you allow, and I would even use the word submit, to the cutting process, God will never leave a good thing on the cutting room floor. He'll leave the things that need to be left on the cutting room floor and he'll bring the good things together. The Bible says that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. I pray your path grows brighter and brighter as God continues to clarify your role in his production. God's restrictions are not rejections.
their redirections. So vision will constrain you if you'll allow it. But what also vision will do is vision awaits God. Vision will have an appointment with God. In other words, it doesn't just concern you. It concerns God and his thoughts and his timing as well. Three times the doors were closed because those doors were not opened by God. Three times Paul had different ideas, different destinations, all good things. I mean, we could agree that preaching the gospel is a good thing. But God says, but I've got a better thing or a better place and a better time. And so true vision will await on God's opinion, on God's appointment. And, and Paul does the right thing because he chooses to wait on God. You know, Paul could have gotten frustrated because said, God, I'm out here. I'm a missionary. I left my home years into this thing. You know, Barnabas just left me. What's going on? This missionary journey is a failure. He could have gotten frustrated with God. And it's not like, a, it's not like that's not a temptation, especially in the delay. It's easy to get frustrated with God. And he could have, he could have grown bitter or resentful or annoyed at God. He could have turned off from God. All right, God, I'll just stay here. I'll stay here. You don't want me to go there? I'll stay here. He could have had his heart become hardened towards God. Mom, don't act like we don't do this. All right, fine. Whatever. I won't help him. I won't help him. Whatever. It's up to you. He could have, he could have, he could have allowed this time where there was a lack of vision to make him smaller. But he stayed seeking. That's the key. He stayed seeking for what God has for him. And God does have something. And that's why Habakkuk has to let us know the vision awaits its appointed time. But it does have an appointment. If it seems slow, don't give up. Don't get mad. Don't blame God. Wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. Vision rushed becomes selfish ambition. Vision rushed becomes selfish ambition. All right, God, you're not going to do anything. I'll take over. I'll make it happen. I'll get on my grind. I can still hustle. I can make this thing happen my way. Vision rush becomes selfish ambition. I mean, do you remember the promise that God gave to Abraham? He had a massive vision for his life. God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you a child. In fact, I'm going to give you a whole legacy of children. If you remember that story specifically, he is speaking to Abraham and Abraham is in his tent and he says, come out from the tent and look up. This is how God always says. He says, I need you to see something greater because I got a bigger vision than your little hovel here. I've got something more. So, so, so get out and look at the stars. Can you count them? That's going to be like the lineage from your life. I've got a son for you. That's the promise. Well, hold on. A year later, there's still no children. Abraham's over 100 years old. How's this going to happen? As if God doesn't still work in miracles. But in that delay, he got frustrated. He couldn't await at the appointed time. So him and Sarah, they, they believed God's promise, but they said, we're going to have our own process. And that's when, that's when Abraham got with his servant Hagar, and he did have a child, but it wasn't the promised child. And that's how an Ishmael comes. An Ishmael comes when selfish ambition replaces godly vision. It produces an Ishmael. And God says, that's good, but that's not mine. That's not the one that I have for you. The one I have for you is an Isaac. 
But if you know, even to this day, Ishmael and Isaac are still in conflict. And the ramifications of those two great nations fighting with each other has global consequences thousands and thousands of years later. Make no mistake, it's not a small thing to take God's vision into your own hands. It can have lasting ramifications in your life and your legacy. So what must we do? We must allow God to bring his vision and his timing to our lives. This is the, the wise King Solomon. This is what he was speaking about in Ecclesiastes. When he says this in Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Patience is a virtue. The problem is it's a lost virtue. It's a lost virtue in our society. It's a lost virtue in us. We don't even understand the concept of patience because of the lightning speed of our life. Like the other day, I ordered something on Amazon Prime. Prime. For those of you that don't know, Prime is two days. It said it's going to ship in three days. But I already paid for Prime. And I was frustrated. I didn't leave my couch. I didn't even have to put my credit card. I did one click. And I'm frustrated that this thing isn't moving fast enough. I mean, it's put on a, on a plane from another country and flown over an ocean and put on a train and then put into a truck and then someone literally places it in my hand, but I'm not patient enough for three days. <laughs> Is that not something that we all suffer from? If you wanted a hamburger after church today, you're not going out and putting on the grill in 14 degrees. You're stopping at five guys. Let's go. I got things to do. I haven't had a hamburger in a month. <laughs> but if you're gonna, if you're gonna walk in God's vision, you're gonna have to learn the lost art of patience. Because God, God doesn't take a long time. God doesn't even reference time. God is outside of time. So if you tell God it's taking a long time, God's out here like, is it? I don't know. I don't even know. What is time? You guys, you guys are stuck in that little bubble. Not me. Up here, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. I'm, I'm chilling. We're like, God, it's been three days. Get Michael the archangel going. The, the reality is that if we, want, if we want to see a greater and a godly vision come through our lives, we're going to have to pass the test of time. I call it the time tension. And the time tension is that, is that space between what you want, which is right desires. What Paul wanted to do was a godly thing. It's, it's the tension between wanting and waiting. Wanting God's thing and waiting on God's timing. And if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you will find yourself in this tension many times over in different areas of your life. 
And I want to just encourage you, if you think you are in this place where you feel like nothing's really moving, like I, I have these desires, I even have these dreams, but yet, but yet it seems like it's, it's not the right time, I just want to encourage you, it, it's not weakness to wait. The Bible says those that wait on the Lord actually renew their strength. Sometimes God even knows, I want to give you this thing, but I need to enlarge your capacity. I need, I need, to, I need, to, to, I need to give you the, the inner strength and, and strength of character before I put this new weight on you. God's not going to put a weight on you that will crush you. So he might need to take some time to strengthen you before he puts this thing on you. I want to encourage you, not every waiting season is a desert season. There are some waiting seasons that are like Elijah at Cherith, where he's waiting and God's providing, but the next step isn't clear just yet. Can I just encourage you, if you're in that space, embrace that moment because it won't last forever. And when the brook begins to dry up, be ready to move on. Say, all right, God, I'm ready for what's next. But until the door opens, I'm not going to force my way through the door. I'm going to choose to allow you to bring me where you want me in the timing that you want to bring me there. I want you to know you're not stuck if you just stay seeking. You're not stuck if you just stay seeking. Vision awaits on God. But then there comes a time where after you've been constrained, and after you've been reoriented, and after you've waited till the appointed time, then vision begins to compel you. There were so many no's, but finally, Paul gets to Troas, and, and he could see Macedonia across the waters. He could see the mountains. The Bible says at night, he didn't have a dream, it was a vision. And all of a sudden, there was a man from Macedonia. Some commentators believe it was a vision of Alexander the Great, which I think is a cool thing, probably not true, but it's cool either way. And this man was representing many men. And he was saying, will you please come over here? And what's the key phrase? Please help us. He was begging Paul, we need help. We need the gospel. We need someone to awaken us. We need someone to serve us. Will you please come over? We've got great need. And the evidence of a God-given vision is that it answers a great need. The evidence of selfish ambition is that it helps only yourself. The evidence of a God-given vision is that it helps those around you. And I believe a God-given vision will help you as well. I do believe that you should be blessed. But I believe that you should be so blessed that your cup should run over. That it should be able to be a blessing for other people. If you're going to start a business, I pray that you're able to employ and raise up Christian young men and young women. Yes, you'll be blessed, but here comes the overflow. That you're able to help those in great need. You're able to give through We Heart Lives. You're able to be an example of godly leadership. You, you, you with me? And this is, this is what the man was saying. He says, can you help us? That's vision. Vision sees the need. And I, I, I would ask you today, if your vision, or you feel like God, is buried in your heart, maybe what you wrote down last week when we went through that practice, and if, if you missed it, go back and, and watch all the way through and go through that practice. But if your vision came to fruition, who would be served? If your vision came to fruition, who would be blessed? If the answer is just me and mine, that's not vision. Vision always makes you bigger. Vision always takes you further. Vision always helps those that are in great need. 
If your vision came to fruition, who would be blessed? I remember when my wife and I were first looking for our first house. And we looked at so many different houses over the span of time. And, and it, we just felt like we, we got to get a house. All of our friends are getting houses. We got to get a house. Now's the time. We were living in a, a, like a, a one-room apartment that like, it seems cool. It's like one of those cool like, uh, old mills. But it was just one room. And it, was, it turned into a giant subwoofer. Like, and, and I think there was a bowling alley on top of us. And it was like, we need to get out of here or I will destroy. I will destroy. <laughs> so we began to look for houses. We were looking at some good ones and we were trying to talk ourselves into it. Like, this house is all right. You know, this is, this is okay. And then you're like, pop, pop, pop. And it's like, I think those are firecrackers. I'm sure. That's fine. I think that's some fire damage. It was built in, in, in uh, 1747. I think George Washington ate lunch here once, but it's all right. You know, and, 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 and thank God, like, my dad was there as the voice of the reason, just be like, hey, if you're getting this, I'm not helping you fix it, so do whatever you want, but. <laughs> and so, so we looked for years. You know, we looked for a year and a half, and, and we couldn't find anything. This one house we walked into, it was stunning, and and, and it, it just seemed far beyond us. But when I walked in, it felt like home. And, and, and it, had, it was spacious, had room where if we were going to have people over. And we did. It was in our heart to have a house. And this is what we started praying. God, will you give us a house where we can have our leaders? We can have those that serve with us over for different events and different trainings. And at that point, we were running the youth ministry. We had meetings every single Monday night. God, will you give us a house that, that, that there's room to plan services for your glory. Will you, give us, will you give us that? And another thing that we prayed for, which this is kind of interesting, is we played, prayed for a lot of parking. How many of you are looking for a house with lots of parking? The parking lot? We wanted a lot of parking. So we wanted a cul-de-sac, but primarily because we wanted, when people came over, to be able to park near the house and, and, and have this as like a ministry base. And, and we saw this house, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. But it was way beyond our capacity at that time to, to purchase. But it had all these things. And we said, God, if, if this is the house for us, we promise that we will enjoy it and it will be enjoyed by others for the furthering of the ministry. And then the house sold, not to us. And I was like, oh, that's that. Seven months, we continued to look, couldn't find anything. Finally, one night, we were going to bed. And I told my wife, you know, honestly, I just love that one house that felt like home. I said, if we could have any house, I just, I just hope and pray we could get a house like that. Oh, yeah. Went to bed. The next morning, we woke up to a little ding on the phone. And it was a notification from Zillow that said, this house that you've been looking at is back on the market. The deal had gone through, and nobody wanted it because it was a complicated short sale that nobody could figure it out, and everybody said, we're out, and we said, we're in. We're in. And God had brought us to the point where we were able to, to bless us, and you know, we ate soup and bought no clothes for three years, but we were able to... <laughs> But my question is, if your vision came to fruition, who would be served? Who else would be blessed? 
This man from Macedonia says, we're ready. And God said, this is what I've been saving you for. This is where I've, my restrictions has been redirecting you to. See, Paul would have never seen the vision if he chose his own direction. He would have never helped the man from Macedonia if he chose to go where he had already been. I think sometimes we live visionless lives when we refuse to surrender our ideas and our plans to God's spirit. I think sometimes we get used to living visionless lives, but simply because we refuse to submit to God's greater vision for our lives. So we just go through the motion. We refuse to engage. Sometimes we refuse to trust. We've drawn the boundaries of who we are so tight. God's going to pull us out of that tent and say, I need you to look up again. I need you to step off the boat again. But Lord, if I step off the boat, I'm going to have to trust. And God says, that's the process. That God moves us into a place of faith. Maybe you feel like I can't let go of this thing because I've invested too much. And yeah, it's a bad investment, and the stock is crashing, but I can't cut my losses. I've invested too much in this idea. I've invested too much in this identity. I've invested too much in this relationship. I can't, I can't cut this thing. I can't submit this thing to you because then I'd have, to, I'd have to take my plans and allow God to rearrange them. I, I, can't, I can't engage with you because then I'd have to change my priorities. And sometimes we live visionless, not because God doesn't have vision for us, but because we are too closed off with what we have for us. But I promise you, if you would take that step out, if you would allow God to redirect you, he'll give you the vision of people that you are called to help. And maybe those people are in your own home. Maybe those people are in your own, are in your own job and around you and where you work. Maybe... Those people are people you've never met yet. I don't know who it is, but I know that if you'll trust God's vision for your life, he'll bring you in the direction where you will make the most impact. And you and those around you will be the most blessed. We don't want to just go through the motions. Do what we've already done. Gone where we've already gone. We want to see something new. And we want to see what God has for us. So we choose to surrender to the Holy Spirit and when you do that, that's when you position yourself to receive his vision. Isn't it interesting that he goes to Troas and, and he's standing there, and most likely he could have seen Macedonia from where he was standing. He positioned himself to receive the vision. There's someone out there that God's bringing me to. And maybe it's even my own child, or maybe it's to my future spouse, or, or maybe it's even to a, a, a boss, or maybe it's to employees, or maybe it's to this church, or maybe it's to my, this crew. But there's someone out there that God's bringing me to so that both them and myself, we can be blessed as we walk into the fullness of God's vision. God's restrictions are not rejections, but they're redirections to God's greater vision for your life. And if he lets you see it, you must see it all the way through. Engage, engage your faith and engage your fortitude. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.